Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. Welcome back to the Finley Capital Podcast. My name is Logan Ricchetti. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Hard Money Handbook. Go to www.hardmoneyhandbook.com to download the free report to learn how to use hard money loans to fund your real estate deals. Also brought to you by the Powered by Private Facebook group. You can go to Facebook and join the Powered by Private group to learn how to invest private capital as a private lender and learn how to borrow private capital as an operator. Join the conversation and uh, hop in there with us. It's starting to grow. It's starting to get exciting in there. A lot of content, a lot of training, a lot of free stuff, nothing for sale, just hanging out, having fun. Today, I'd like to discuss my new debt fund. And I want to start off by saying this is not a solicitation for funding. It's just a conversation about why I decided to open a debt fund and what the reasons were, the risks and the rewards and the upsides and downsides. But really, I want to talk about just the process of building it because it was interesting to learn how to do it and why I think it's a good next progression for Finley Capital and for my investor base so that they can be more secured, hopefully, and more um, you know safer as we build infrastructure around this company. Right on. So as you know, Lowell, for the last couple of years, I've been raising capital privately from friends and family by writing promissory notes and mm-hmm. promising to repay those notes. For a lot of reasons, I wanted to go to the next level on the investor side of the company. Now, uh, the other side of that is really the other side of the investing, which has been 90% of what we've done is just people lent money to the company. The company promises to repay it, take the capital, and then they go deploy it in loans. The interest exceeds the cost of capital got a profitable business. The fund, putting together the fund is in my mind, the natural progression of that model into a more formalized, above board, totally regulated properly, structured properly, legally in full compliance with everything. And as we've grown and as this company has a vision to continue to grow, I didn't see a way to do it without really building this fund. So Mm -hmm. Spent 20 plus thousand dollars to get this fund document set up. I structured the fund. I found a fund attorney, a really good fund attorney out of New York. If anybody needs one, let me know. He was brought to me by a referral from another hard money lender that I am in a network with. Right on. So basically what I did was I called up the fund attorney and I said, hey, I'd like to build a debt fund for real estate. I'd like to uh, open it up to my investor pals that are you know that qualified to make investments like this. You have to be what's called an accredited investor, which... Mm-hmm has its own set of parameters that you have to meet financially with your net worth or your income. But I said, I want to be able to raise capital through a debt fund. I want to be able to deploy that capital into private loans. And I want to be able to manage that uh, and allow my investors to to buy shares in that fund and be able to passively invest in that fund. Mm -hmm. He said, sure, it's no problem. Here's how you do it. He gave me a list of questions to answer, a questionnaire. And he gave me a lot of advice as to how to set it up. Um, There's a million ways to set up a debt fund. And I can, I can kind of break it down a little bit. I'm not an attorney here, but I can break it down how I did it. So you understand kind of how it's structured and how you could do it if you ever wanted to, or if you ever wanted to invest in a debt fund, how to, what to look for and things like that. It's a, it's a fascinating process. Now my attorney made it look really easy because he's done a bunch of them, Yeah. but it's not easy and it's not simple. This is what's in front of me here is the private placement memorandum. This is a 50 page document that basically breaks out in detail, all the summary of how the fund operates, the risks and the benefits and and how it works, basically the rules. Okay. In addition to this document, we have what's called a subscription agreement. And that's the actual document that the investors sign to come into the fund. And that's gotcha. it's like the agreement. And then we have an operating agreement for the 
fund, which is a limited partnership. So it has an operating agreement document. And then the fund is actually managed or run by a general partnership, which has its own operating agreement. Gotcha. Interesting. It, very complex, it sounds like. I lost you already. Yeah. I lost, it lost me too. I'm trying to follow. Long story short, the debt fund is a limited partnership. It's made up of investors who are limited partners. And then it's managed by a general partner. That general partnership is an entity that I am the owner of as the general partner. That could be more than one person. In this particular case, it's just me. But you can have a general partnership of one, two, three, four, five, however many people in the general partnership that manages and is, you know, that runs the the uh, limited partnership, which is the actual entity that ha- owns the assets. Mm-hmm. Long story short, it's called Finley. Ca- it's called FinCap Fund One, Elfinor LP. That's the name of it. That is a limited partnership. So, okay, what will happen when this opens up is investors will buy shares into that fund, mm-hmm. and then that fund will buy mortgages. Okay, originated by Finley Capital and possibly by other hard money lender affiliates. That we mm-hmm. have. And the idea in this fund, the way I set it up, is that the investors will get a preferred rate of return. Okay. Now, this is very interesting and most people don't understand this. That's why you got to read these documents in really good detail. But in most, in, in, in funds like this, the return is not guaranteed. The return of principle is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. The interest is not guaranteed. People have this misconception that these things are guaranteed. Mm-hmm. They're not. Right. When you make an investment in a debt fund or a private, it's called a private placement, you're taking risk. Mm-hmm. When you buy a piece of real estate, you're taking risk. When you write a loan, you're taking risk. When you buy a stock, you're taking risk. Absolutely. There is risk in this, just like in anything else that you do. So you have to really think about what those risks are, who those operators are, what those business models are, and whether you as the investor think it's a good risk or not. It's that simple. But don't let anybody tell you that there's no risk in, in an investment like this because there darn sure is. Now, mm-hmm. the risks are mitigated. There's risk driving your bike down the sidewalk. There's risk flying yeah. in an airplane, right? Right. The The airline doesn't tell you there's no risk when you take a flight. Right. In fact, it's the opposite. Go read your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like you could die in that airplane. So the question isn't, should you avoid all risk at all costs? Mm-hmm. Because you have to fly places. The question is, you know, which airline is less likely to crash, right? right? Right. And obviously, you wouldn't hop on an airline if you thought it was a high likelihood of def- of defaulting, aka mm-hmm. crashing. You wouldn't right. do it. So when you take risk analysis all the time, you look at an airplane ride or a car ride or a bus ride, you say, "Hmm, is the chances of me arriving at my destination higher than the chances of me crashing and dying?" And if the answer is high enough into the positive, you do it. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't go skydiving. It's a little different risk. It's a little different. Yeah, very okay. different. A lot of people don't go free falling with the wings and, you know, they fly around the mountains and stuff. Yeah. You're not going to see me doing that. No, neither, but ain't, uh, Not a risk I'm going to take. Nope. Okay. Uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to see me competing in a black belt jujitsu tournament. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But the point is, you got to analyze the risk that you take. I'm going on a risk tangent here. But the point is, investments like these have risks. You got to analyze the risk. Mm-hmm. But that being said, One of the things that you want to look at, or at least when I talk to people about this, is the track record. Mm -hmm. And again, the track record of performance in the past, have you ever seen that before? The history of past performance does not guarantee future results. You ever heard of that? Same concept applies. But when you're looking at the business model of a fund like this, you want to look at what the model is, what the past performance is, Mm -hmm. and what the likelihood of the future performance 
meeting, you know, to meeting or exceeding the past performance. Mm-hmm. Now we've made over 522 straight payments to our capital investors without missing a single payment yeah. over the last two years. That's pretty darn good. That is really good. Doesn't mean it'll continue forever, but right. You know, obviously that's the that's the concept. That's the idea. Um, but anyway, the debt fund, the way I set it up was I wanted to be able to pool investor capital so that investors could privately invest in hard money loans, performing hard money loans like we write all the time, without having to make individual decisions on which hard money loan they wanted to invest in. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to provide diversification. There you go. So right now, let's say we have 50 loans on the Finley Capital balance sheet mm-hmm. or the Elfenora debt fund balance sheet. It's not open yet, but when it is. Right. Let's say there's 50 loans on the Elfenora balance sheet and you want to make an investment. Let's say mm-hmm. each loan's 100 grand. So there's $5 million in asset value on the balance right. sheet. If you buy a $100,000 share in that fund, you're effectively diversifying your investment across 50 loans. That's one option. Mm-hmm. The other option is you could look at one of those loans and buy it. So now your hundred grand is tied to one loan, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it is a little bit more risky because in my mind, because the performance of that one deal mm-hmm. is what now dictates your return and your return of principal. Right. As opposed to the performance of 50 deals in the fund. Probably based on your risk tolerance. Based on your risk tolerance. Of, Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, if you're not an accredited investor, you can't be in the fund anyway. So your only option yeah. is to is to purchase a, lo- a loan interest like right. that, but which is fine. I do it all the time. Um, it's just a little bit different risk. Now, okay. the difference between, let's say, investing in a debt fund like this or investing in a loan like this is there might be a little bit more risk, if you will, on the individual individual performance of that one loan. But mm-hmm. you're, you know exactly where your capital is too. Mm-hmm. Your capital is now literally tied to one piece of real estate. Right. So from that standpoint, you can see it when, and also it's a little bit more liquid because those loans are six months long usually. Mm -hmm. So when that loan repays, your capital gets repaid. And if you want to keep track of it more, that's a lot easier to track versus keeping track of 50 and seeing how they're doing. Right. The only way for you to do that as the investor, which is kind of cool though, because this is another reason why I did this, is we have a third party fund administrator that manages the capital accounts and the interest payments to the capital investors like you. And you have a beautiful software and a portal access to see these things nice that's why that's in part why i did it because i wanted to be able to provide to an investor the ability to invest in a diversified portfolio of loans that are collateralized with these first position mortgages Mm -hmm. diversified but very clear where they are Mm -hmm. now here's the difference too when the fund buys a loan the fund that lp that limited partnership Mm -hmm. owns that loan so when you gotcha. own a share in the in the LP and the LP owns the loan, it means mm-hmm. you own the loan. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you own a share of all the loans in the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Not you own a, a note from a company that owns the shares. Right. You actually own the shares. Gotcha. So you own the interests in the mortgage. I like that. So that's in part why I did it. I did it for a bunch of reasons. The main reason that, well, I did it for a bunch of reasons. One of the reasons I did it was because I wanted to formalize that dynamic. Gotcha. I wanted to be able to say, hey, Lowell, you want to invest in a portfolio of loans on my balance sheet? Here's how you do it. Buy a share in the fund. It gives you a preferred rate of return. If the fund performs out, if if the fund exceeds that rate of return, Mm -hmm. I get the difference. That's my compensation, which is great for me. It gives me incentive to have the fund do well. Mm -hmm. I don't get a dollar off the top. So if the fund doesn't perform at the level that it needs to perform to pay you your preferred return, Mm -hmm. I'm working for free. That's one. Number two, 
I'm in there with my capital right next to yours, right? Which is really important to me to have the alignment of, of those interests. It, it's the recurring theme, having skin in the game. Skin in the game is everything. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at a fund or you're looking at some kind of investment proposal from someone, you want to ask them, what's your interest in this? Do you have skin right. in the game? Does it matter to you financially because if this it, does well? That makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. Let me tell you, there's a lot of structures where the operator of the fund or the operator of the investment vehicle does not matter if it goes up or down in mm-hmm. terms of how they get paid. It's And I don't know exactly how that works because I didn't look into it because I didn't want anything to do with that. Right. But it has to do with assets under management. You know, a perform, It's a admin fee. They, they, they make a bunch of names for it. Yeah. But really it's fee. It's fee, fee, fee. Yeah. And this thing, the way I set it up was I'm not getting a dollar until Lowell's gotten his entire preferred rate of return. At that gotcha. point, then I get paid. There you go. And... I have shares in the fund right next to Lowell. So when when we make a loan purchasing decision of a mortgage that we want to buy, that decision is being made with all of our best interest in mm-hmm. mind, not just some kind of relationship that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think when you hear that as a potential investor, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable to mm-hmm. know that X, X percent of every loan we buy, Logan's money is in it right next to mine. Yeah. It might not go well. There's right. risk in that going well, but at yeah, least if absolutely. it doesn't go well for me, it's not going well for him too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then you, it comes down to how well do you think Logan or the fund or whoever can operate these decisions right. and what's their track record in the past right. and what's their likelihood of continuing that in the future and mm-hmm. what does the portfolio mix look like and all those things, which again is another thing I'm working on is that side note, that software is going to open up that that curtain there so right. everybody can see the loans. But that's one of the reasons. Another reason I did it, I know I'm getting long here. Another reason I did it is because I wanted to offer something that I can't offer now, which is DRIP, Direct Reinvestment Program. Okay. I think it's called program. DRIP, yeah. Basically, what it means is every month when you get a distribution, now you mm-hmm. take it and that's it. It goes out. Right. But a lot of people don't live on their distributions and they would love to reinvest those back in. So if you're getting a distribution every month, Right now, the way I have it set up, I don't have the accounting infrastructure to say, send that back in, I'll redeploy it. Right. But the the NAV, third-party administrator software, sure does. Nice. How cool nice. is that? Yeah. So when you set up your, uh, in this particular you know situation, this setup, the structure, when you buy in, mm-hmm. you can set your preference. You nice. can say, I want my return sent to me every month or whatever, mm-hmm. or I don't want it sent to me, I want it reinvested at the same rate. Nice. That's pretty sweet. That gives that gives a whole lot of different options and, and flexible for the investor. And let me tell you, it's not only great for the investor, it's great for the fund. Yeah. And here's why. Last month I think we sent I think it was like what, seventy thousand dollars in interest payments out? Yeah, like seventy two so yeah. Between seventy and seventy five. Something like that. Whatever it was, that money left our bank account yeah. and went to fifty people. Yeah. Which is cool because they got to enjoy it and they got the right. return that month. But what's not cool about that is I can't take that 70 and redeploy it into a new loan mm-hmm. and grow the return for everybody. What's nice is that they're they're able to get a compounding return versus like, you know, going back in their counter month and then they have to go out of the way to reinvest it, right? So if they just want to set and forget it almost, they have that choice. Precisely right. You got it. And I like that because I want that for myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the, you know, I'm in the thing. Do I want my... uh monthly dividends, if you will, to be redeployed right back into mm-hmm. the same vehicle so they can grow on a compounded basis. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want that. They want to live on the returns or yeah. they just want the return. To pr- they want to feel that return every month in cash. Yeah. And that's fine too. That's how we do it now. But having that option, like you said, to go either way 
is a benefit of the fund model that mm-hmm. I haven't been able to offer in the past. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And you know, as the as the fund grows and as the balance of the of the capital accounts grow, the amount that gets reinvested every month it mm-hmm. becomes significant to the growth of the overall fund. Yeah. And here's a cool thing too. In my mind, the bigger the fund gets, the more diversification there is. Mm-hmm. If we have 50 loans in the fund, that's one thing. If there's 100 loans in the fund, that's another thing. Right. You follow? So the bigger the fund gets responsibly and safely, the more di- diversification there is per share, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I've done it. That's why it's coming. Um, I have to update some of the proposal presentations to match the language of the fund documents and the subscription agreement. And mm-hmm. there's all kinds of uh, regulations. This is a, this, this particular fund is uh, exempt from registration under the rule 506B. It's going to be a 506B of Regulation D, Securities Act. Mm-hmm. Um, gets complicated. All that stuff gets a little complicated. I don't want to get into all that right now. But anybody who's interested in looking at a fund like this one, if they want to invest in a fund, they got to read all these documents yeah. in detail. I've read every document. I spent a lot of money to buy these things, so I want to read them. It's very, it's surprisingly clear. Yeah. I was very surprised at how clear the language was about what the risks are, what the benefits are, what the restrictions are, what the fund model is, what the fund uh, investment summary is. It's very well laid out in the memorandum and the subscription agreement. It's very, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at this, at the, surprised at the simplicity of how the attorney structured the documents. And, mm-hmm. um, that's an encouraging thing because I think a lot of people might be listening to this if they have interest in investing in a fund like this or mm-hmm. in this kind of models. A lot of times, and I certainly am guilty of this too. I'll think I'm not investing in that. It's too complicated. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's what. And I can tell you that that's a very valid way to feel. It's a very logical uh, apprehension to have when you're mm-hmm. investing in something like this. So what I would suggest you do if you're interested is just read it. Right. Ask for whoever's offering you this investment to read it. Yeah. See what the PP, it's called a PPM, private placement memorandum. See what it says. And what I've like, what I like, I'm looking at mine right here. Uh, what I like about it is right at the beginning, there's an executive summary, which is cool. Very short and concise. And then there's something called here. Let me read this to you. Uh, this is the table of contents. Gives you an idea. Mm-hmm. Executive summary, couple pages, and then a directory, which is cool. It lays out a bunch of stuff. Investment program, management of the partnership. And then what I really like is there's a summary of key terms of the partnership agreement. Okay. And then the next one, risk factors. Okay. And it lays out every risk factor and then every potential conflict of interest. And then it goes down the line. It talks about valuation of investments, special allocation provisions, service providers, qualification of investors. So it shows you what you would need to be to qualify to be an investor, federal tax aspects, and then some other stuff, you know, ERISA considerations, restrictions on transfer of interest, additional information, and then a privacy notice. Those so 50 pages long, but the first 10 or 15 pages are what has everything that you need to really know to understand right what's going on. But it's really simple to understand for a complicated legal instrument like this, nice. w- which is pretty cool. Anyway, moving forward, the vision for the future of the fund or for Finley Capital is to offer the fund as an investment vehicle and then mm-hmm. the co-lending model as the alternative investing vehicle gotcha. so that any investor, whether accredited and they qualify to be in the fund mm-hmm. or they're not accredited and they don't qualify to be in the fund, they can still participate in effectively a very similar investment model Gotcha. Uh, with you know positions on recorded liens and limited exposures with all kinds of risk mitigated factors and things like that. But I want, I want people to be able to participate with me because 
I want people to learn how to lend their own capital. Mm-hmm. That's I'm on a mission. Mm-hmm. And that's what Powered by Private is really all about. Yeah. It's a mission to teach people to show the world how to lend their own capital. And uh, that's what we're doing. So we got to keep after it. Right on. Go get them. Go get them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Finley Capital Podcast. Please like and share this episode. Help us grow our following so we can help more hard money loan borrowers and investors like you. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finley Capital. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll see you out there.